0: A start
1: on demand.
0: on demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Friday edition of the Mackling and McGarry podcast. And today we are going to talk about fashion sins. What fashion faux pas have you committed over the years? Also, we'll check out what's new at the movies. The couch potatoes shall assemble to give you the details on that. Bob Irving's going to join us to tee up the weekend bomber game and sunflower selfies. This is an increasing trend where people are invading farmers' fields to get that perfect pick, so we'll talk about that growing trend, and we're going to tell you about a couple of unique town names across Canada with a little bit of sense of humor.
1: These could be the final days for the Colorado-based Crocs Footwear Company. Here's Scott Goldberg.
2: The rubberized clogs in so many colors
0: defied every fashion
2: trend in the early 2000s, but coming into this year, sales were slipping. Crocs tried rebranding itself. Just
1: get comfortable in.
2: And sales climbed in the first half of this year, but now the company is announcing what sound like uncomfortable developments. Its chief financial officer is resigning, and it's closing the last two manufacturing facilities that make Crocs. The company still plans to operate a few hundred retail stores, but it's not clear where they'll get their inventory. Scott Goldberg, ABC News. <laughs> I'm
1: going to have a store, but I don't have a place that's making any of the product that I normally sell. That usually means you're sort of winding down operations, doesn't it, Brad?
0: Well, they had that thing just a couple of weeks ago where they had high heels that were selling that's out. right. And they sold them out. So, I don't know. Well, highly bizarre. So today we're having coffee talking about Crocs and other fashion items that people have had a strong reaction to what fashion trend did you abhor or embrace? Mackling, I'm really curious to know. You Oh my you clearly have something. Well, we'll come, why don't we come back to Greg. Come back to me. Channel. Yes is gonna be a gutter. You went to a lot of concerts. Uh, were you uh, like a grunge girl?
3: I I, I my, my grunge time, you know, in, in the 90s, with the plaid and, and the, the ripped pants and the ripped jeans and the round sunglasses. Remember those? Remember yes. the round sunglasses? People wore them all the time.
1: Yeah, but, at night as well. Yeah.
3: So, I mean, and I, I really enjoyed that phase because it was comfortable. But then in the 90s, I, I started discover, or not in the 90s, rather the early 2000s, I discovered uh, online auctions. And so there's eBay and all that stuff. But I discovered this website called Gothic Auctions. And you could buy, I was in my, my goth phase, and you buy clothing, specifically, like, goth-themed clothing. I ended up with the most bizarre stuff. Uh, black vinyl pants. Why would I buy that? Clear jelly <laughs> shoes for a grown-up? Well, again, th- <laughs>
0: clear jelly heels?
3: No, they were like Mary Janes. Then you put them on your bare feet, and then they, were, they just would all, like, just get all sweaty and gross. <laughs> like, the... Yeah,
1: goldfish living in the hills. <laughs> the,
3: the, yeah, just, just the the, the oh. stuff that I would buy that would look look I look great in theory. Oh, but yeah.
0: Do you have a question, perhaps, to ask Kelly Moore the way in your own special no, way? No, no, no. Well, uh, how did it feel when the zipper was
2: invented? Kelly? <laughs> It's a game changer, wasn't it? Just going from 30 oh. buttons all over yourself to just one quick zip. You spend all morning thinking of that one? No. no?
4: Uh,
2: well, what about you, Jeff? Um, in, in 1992, I saw a Pearl Jam video and Eddie Vedder was wearing T-shirts and cargo shorts. And I was like, all right, I'm set for life. He's cool. I can dress like that. And I never look back. It was pretty simple when it comes to fashion with me. Wow. Yeah. What about you, Kyle?
5: Um,
0: when I was about 15 as like an intellectual curiosity thing, I dyed my hair a bunch of different colors (laughs) just to say that I did it. And I haven't had the, the, I haven't had the urge to do it since. So I figured I'm like, if I didn't do it, I just keep thinking I should do it. And now it was like bright red and blue and green at different times. And then I'm like, all right, I'm good. And then I stopped (laughs) my hair before my hair, like, you know, fell out or whatever. I mean, more, more
6: of it than it's falling out now.
4: (laughs) What about you, Kelly? I'll bet that was a radio bit for Tom in the, in the day. Um, (laughs) the, the one I don't get today. You know, you spend all of this money to buy blue jeans that are ripped to shreds. I, <laughs> I know I'm old, yeah. as Jeff Braun reminds me of, <laughs> every single day. Oh, that's but a good one, I, Kelly. I, I don't get that one. But back uh, when I was uh, in uh, Lee's goth and what was the other one? Grunge phase. Um, I guess I would have been, you know, 16, 17 years old. I've seen the pictures, so there's no way to hide it. And, yes, there were cameras then, Jeff. Um <laughs> We had these horrid, and I mean horrid, plaid bell bottom sh- uh, pants on. And with white shoes, right? But not, well, they weren't white, but you know, those great, I don't, I can't remember what they were called, but they, they were monstrosities, these shoes. They had great big heels, wide toes, and they were tri colored. You know, there was yeah, there was shoes? Yeah, brown, red, and black. Oh, oh my word! Yeah, I and I was cool. not the only one wearing them.
3: <laughs> I think my friend's mom had shoes like that. Yeah,
4: and trying to remember what they were called because there was a name for them. But, but it's uh, funny we'll, how we'll just for want of a better term, we'll just call them Crocs. So much, so many
2: fashion items that used to be popular and then they're gone, and then they come, they back, come back. Like high think, waisted jeans are coming back for uh, other reasons I can't fathom, but. Bell bottoms, like—is uh, yeah. that
4: ever going to happen again? Anyone? I don't think those shoes and those pants are coming
0: back. It's you, well, first of all, Kelly, are you sure they had cameras, or wasn't uh, just a painter following you around?
4: <laughs> <Ain't> too bruté. <laughs> um, you know what? It's funny
0: that you—that was your fashion faux pas because in the the late '90s. I don't want to say bell bottoms came back, but I don't it was know if you were wide recall.
3: legged pants. The wide They were great. Super
0: wide leg baggy jeans. Like we're talking like what is it, like thirty inch Yeah, at and they, some and, point. and the
3: ones with the flare at the ankles? Yeah. Like, oh, those I love those.
0: I used to wear black jeans that had like twenty eight to thirty inch the, the, the opening at the bottom was just super baggy. Uh, it was like wearing a tent on each leg. How'd you ride a bike with those things? I didn't ride no. a bike.
4: <laughs> How about your skateboard? <laughs> didn't ride a I didn't ride a skateboard, but I also had the big boots
0: with uh, I bet you an uh, inch Doug and Martin? a half. The chunky platform. heels!
3: and The chunky heels too.
0: Yeah they, and, were, yeah, they were kind of, I don't want to call them platform, but they were, they were quite substantial. Yep. They weighed a ton. I think that's what they might yeah. have been
4: called was platform shoes. Oh yeah, that's the one. They yeah, that's right. Yeah. Platform shoes, that's exactly oh, God, right. The, these things were awesome. Awful juice. They were just brutal. <laughs> but I at, used
0: to like the shiny silver shirt too.
1: At the time, at the time, right? Everything has its context. Uh painter pants and rainbow suspenders. That was a thing mm-hmm. back in the early 19, well, mid-1970s. And of course, the deplorable but popular Zubaz. Ah yes. Pants in particular, in NFL colors, particularly for me, the Miami Dolphins, I had a jacket that was teal, orange, and white with Zubaz <laughs> arms. You could see this thing coming
0: from 100 miles away. It's funny you mention the Dolphins because when I googled Zubaz images this morning, yes. the first thing I, that popped up was Dan Marino and Zubaz. Well-
1: Dan Marino was the man. He was my man Here's back the in the day, He was spokesperson for them or something? Pretty much. I
0: never had official Zubaz, but I had, I guess, sort of, because there were all kinds of knockoff ones, so it wasn't the zebra stripes, but it was a similarly awful pattern of disgusting colors. It, oh. looked, it looked like a paint store puked on I my d-
2: pants. I don't know what we
1: were thinking. I really don't know what we were
2: thinking. That's what they'll say when they look back at the Crocs. Yeah, uh, fair enough. My, uh, my, dad, pa- has, my oh. dad used to have a pair of what he, he referred to them as his dress Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> I said, if you ever wear th- th- those with a suit, I'm out of here. Rick. <laughs> uh,
0: Heather says, elevator
4: shoes. Elevator Is shoes. That, she's... that might be. uh it, that's it, it's going back a few well, years. Didn't so. Kiss
0: used to wear those? Oh yeah, yeah gigantic
4: yeah. platform shoes. Yeah, yeah, like I think Gene
1: Simmons has like had like eight inch. Uh, yeah, he says it right in the, right in the song. Eight inch leather heels. He says it. Do you love me? In the song, Do You Love Me, talks about his eight-inch leather heels acid wash. Someone texted in. That was a horrible, Mm. horrible trend. And the zipper pants, pants with zippers all over them. You
0: had something with zippers all over it, right? Yeah,
1: these plastic pants. It must have had fifteen zippers in it. Different pockets everywhere, up and down, all the way, up, all the way around. Oh, they, Did they were. Did you keep terrible. something
0: in every pocket? No, nothing. Like a, like the a, pocket. Well, they
1: were too tight. You couldn't put anything <laughs> in your <the> pockets. <laughs> Jeff is going to open one door and then uh, close that and open another. Come in and join us right here on Mackling McGarry in the morning, right through until 10 o'clock. I'm Greg. He's
0: Brett. And it's time for the couch potatoes to assemble. Bomber preview coming up at 745 with Bob Irving. We've also got tickets to give away for tonight's game, so wait for your cue to call. But Jeff Braun, there's a movie that is coming out. It's out now Yep, That you've been kind of excited about for Uh, a while
2: I'm sort of excited, I'm sort of terrified Uh, I don't know how it's all going to turn out for me But it's Statham versus Jaws In the Meg
0: Jonas, this happened this morning
1: Lori, I have a contact Oh, it's huge It's crushing me There's
0: someone down here They may have encountered the same species you did down there
5: Megalodon. Excuse me? I said... A Megalodon.
2: A Megalodon, which is a prehistoric <laughs> giant shark. It's about 75 feet long, and only Jason Satham can kill it. I mean, he has a team, of course, because the shark has to kill something before it can finally be killed.
4: A living fossil. Thought to have been extinct for over two million years. Wrong. A lot of people are gonna die if we don't find it and kill it. She's coming. Of course, you would think it's a
3: she. Of
0: course, it's not as big as Mega Shark. No, was that bigger? Uh, mega shark versus giant octopus. I think was one of the movies that they made. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, mega shark was able to jump out of the water and take down a plane. Oh,
2: that's right. I remember seeing that. Yeah, I think ter-
0: <laughs> could terrorize a city, dry land. <laughs> but the fact that this is a major theatrical release yeah. just has me scratching my head. It's
2: so funny. It's weird, but it looks. It, the commercials are good for it. Yeah, like, it looks fun. It can't possibly be a good movie, but it looks like it might be fun. And I, I just, if it's not too gory, I think I'll probably go check. What's the point?
1: What is the point?
0: You don't like the shark movies? Like, come on.
1: Enough people have
0: these fears. <laughs> why are we
1: What That's are we the belaying? fun of well, Yeah, I know. I know. I,
2: I, I get it. I didn't know you refused to swim in anything but a pool before. Yep. Yeah, open bodies of water. So you don't go in the lake. You go to the lake, but not in the no, lake. I'll go to the lake. I'll stay on the sand, but I will not go. In You've got the a lake. better chance of getting mauled it's by a got bear on the beach to do with than it. getting. It's all
1: psychosomatic. Right. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. You don't put ketchup on your hamburgers.
2: No, that's true. Yeah.
1: Okay. Right. That's, you want to go there? <laughs> Next
0: up, it's a Spike Lee joint based on a true story. It's called Black Klansman. And tells the story of Ron Stallworth, the first African-American detective in the Colorado Springs Police Department. He wants to make a name for himself, and to do that, he decides to take on the Ku Klux Klan. Hello, this is Ron Stallworth calling. Who am I speaking with? This is David Duke, Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? God! Last time I checked, what can I do for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews. Mexicans and Irish, Italians and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else really that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. (laughs) I love the way that he goes, white, white America. (laughs) Trying to sound extra white. Yeah, Stallworth is played by John David Washington. He co-stars in the HBO football drama Ballers. That debuts its fourth season on Sunday, by the way, Greg. So good. On August 12th. But I didn't know up until recently, I've been watching the show three years, he's Denzel Washington's son. I had no idea myself. I just learned it here from you two. Who says the couch potatoes are not educational News you can use. Adam Driver co-stars, and together they, team up for this operation? The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? We'll establish contact over the phone. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet. Face to face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. So there becomes a combined... Ron oh, stalwart. Can you do that? With the right white man, we can do anything. <laughs> getting I great do. reviews this movie gotta see it Topher Grace too that guy from that yeah, yeah. 70 where's shows. he been he plays David Duke in this so
1: I, I haven't seen the trailer but I could yeah that makes it's, complete sense it's
2: playing at McGilvery I checked this morning because I'm, I'm definitely going to go check this one out yeah. at the VIP yeah but not just the VIP it's got regular theaters in there
1: mm, once you go VIP you ain't I, never going back
0: I guess I actually I, I've, I've done both in that theater and you I would what, say I, I yeah I don't I, I, I'm okay with the regular one. The once you, okay.
2: Once you go recliner, you never go back, yeah. though. That's the tough one. Yeah, yeah, that's really
0: hard. The Grand Park Landmark cinemas, yeah. man, those recliners are amazing. Here's another one out this week. It's a scary movie inspired by an internet meme and then real events.
3: That's what the cop's asking. You they wanted to know if she ever talked about running away. Check this out. Here is the last
0: site she visited. Slenderman. Yep, Slenderman. You remember that, Greg? Slenderman being mm-hmm. in the news.
1: Yes, absolutely, I do. My kids still talk about that. Really? Slenderman phenomenon. Absolutely, they do.
0: So it started in 2009 on the website Something Awful as a creepy pasta internet meme. Ron, had you ever heard of a creepy pasta meme? No, and you explained it to me once, and I still don't get it. Kyle Milroy, had you ever heard of the term creepy pasta? I think I heard of it in in conjunction with the Slenderman thing. I've read some other ones. There, yeah, they're, you got to
4: read them at work when you're it's during the day and light out.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a, a creepy pasta, which I had to learn educate educate myself on, is a horror-related legend or image that's been copied and pasted around the internet. In 2014, there was the Slender Man stabbing. 12-year-old girl from Wisconsin was stabbed by two of her friends who claimed they wanted to prove the Slenderman skeptics wrong. Now we've got this movie set in a small town in Massachusetts where four high school girls do a ritual to debunk the lore of Slender Man and then one of the girls goes missing. And finally, Jeff, uh, remember the show Happy Endings on ABC? Yes. Miss it. Still, Very much. That was one of the
2: greatest sitcoms.
0: Well, Max from Happy Endings <gasps> is in a movie for dog lovers or yeah. cheesy movie lovers. It's called Dog Days.
5: Lord Pepperoni? No offense, but is your dog pregnant or just super fat?
0: I
2: called you for pizza, not opinions.
5: This is why kids don't like old people. He's lethargic. His appetite is down. Sam
3: needs to get out there and meet some new dogs. That'll be $300. <clears throat>
0: It's a movie about dogs and how they connect us. Dogs open
1: their hearts to us, to love and to be loved. And I find that beautiful.
0: Decent cast, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. He actually uh, got top billing in one of the commercials I saw. For really? That. Yeah. Wow. wow. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens from High School Musical, Eva Longoria's in this, the dude from This Is Us and Mr. Robot, Ron Cephas-Jones, and then Adam Pauly, who played Max on Happy Ending. So there you go. Four movies to pick from. Uh, Greg uh, is going to go see The Meg. Jeff's going to go see Slenderman. <laughs> and uh, they'll be they'll get over all of their fears at the movies this weekend. Just in all one fell swoop, <laughs> just like that. That's right. Jeff mm-hmm. doesn't like the scary movies. Greg doesn't <laughs> like sharks. And uh yeah. You guys, should, uh, you guys should have a party where you watch scary movies and shark movies. Why? That's not a fun party. <laughs> and eat hamburgers with ketchup on them. <laughs> Up next, thank you very much, Jeff Braun, Couch Potatoes podcast, already available, Google Play, iTunes, and the episode will air tomorrow afternoon at noon and then Sunday at 6.
1: Bomber game day starts at 5.30. Our coverage tonight with this man, Bob Irving, the voice, the longtime voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Bob, the Blue Bombers looking to win their third consecutive game and trying to avoid their third consecutive loss to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The Tiger Cats have been a little bit of a fly in the ointment for the Blue Bombers over the their, their last two meetings.
6: Yeah, you know, I think uh, the, the Bombers feel... Greg, that the worst game they played this year was the game in Hamilton six weeks ago when they got beat 31, uh, is it 31-17 or 16? Uh, you know, it was pretty close at halftime. And then uh, the Bombers had a terrible third quarter. Uh, Hamilton took charge of the game. So I think there's a little redemption factor going on here tonight. A lot of the players have told me that, you know, they certainly uh, remember that game. They don't want to dwell on it, but they remember it. And I always think a team has a bit of an edge when, they have a memory like that in their bank. The complexion in the West really changed with B.C. upsetting Edmonton last night because the Bombers can move into a tie for second place at 5-3 and three with the Eskimos if they can win tonight.
0: Bob, I'm looking at a headline out of Hamilton with our sister station, 900CHML, and the headline from Rick Zamprin says, Tiger Cats cannot, must not overlook Blue Bombers. Uh, overlook the Bombers?
6: Well, Rick Zamprin's a good friend of mine. I don't know where he would have thought that's an appropriate way to describe this game tonight. Overlook. Uh, Winnipeg's 4-3, and three, Hamilton's 3-4. Three and four. Uh, I don't know where Rick would, would get that from. Uh, you know, the Bombers are ahead of Hamilton in the standings. They've won their last two games. They're viewed around the league as, a, you know, one of the top three or four teams in the league. So, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of that, Brett. I'll have to give Rick a call and ask him what's up with that. <laughs>
0: well, and he's referring to last week's domination over Montreal, where they won 50-11, wow. to 11, I think.
6: Yeah, and they beat Winnipeg again six weeks ago and beat them handily. But still, uh, I don't know. The Bombers are leading the CFL in points scored. Uh, they're tied for third in points given up. Uh, This is not, uh, you know, a cellar dweller we're talking about. So, yeah, that's a strange one for me.
1: So, uh, Bob, as we discussed on the Blue Bomber podcast this week, as you so ably filled in for, for Doug Brown on the podcast, more of the same from the Blue Bombers, I think, would be the prescription for a victory.
6: Yeah, and this is a, Greg, this is a real tough test tonight because Hamilton's offense is the second most prolific in the league behind the Edmonton Eskimos, although the Eskimos certainly got shut down in the second half of that game in Vancouver last night. They only scored three points in the second half. But Jeremiah Mazzoli's thrown for over 300 yards in his 11 of his last 12 games. This is the best offense the Bombers will have faced in a, in a long time. So I think it's a real challenge for their defense, which has played a lot better. For the last four games they've given up 20 points or fewer. But uh, tonight they face, as I say, the stiffest test they've faced in quite a while. And then offensively, and I've said this, I don't think the Bombers have come up with a complete game on offense yet. Their offense has been good. Uh, in their last few games. But I uh, I don't think they've had the kind of game that they would consider sort of a breakout game. So yeah, I'm interested to see how it plays out tonight. They've won their last two. They think they're on a, a bit of a roll, and they can really establish themselves as, a I think, a factor in the West if they can win this game tonight.
0: Tycats head coach June Jones is uh, saying, quote, coming off a of bye week, they're going to do some funny things. <laughs> I'm talking about the Bombers. Uh, what's he getting at there, what do you think?
6: Well, the Bombers run a lot of, I won't use the term trick plays, but a lot of misdirection and stuff that other teams don't run. And, you know, other teams in the league are kind of wary of Winnipeg's offense now, and every time they play the Bombers, they're scratching their heads and saying, I wonder what what Paul Lapolis is going to come up with tonight that we haven't seen before. That's the reputation that this offense has now developed, and it's a good one because it, it keeps other teams off balance and on their toes. That's what he's talking about. Just, uh, you know, what will La Police, uh pull out of his hat tonight?
1: Well, some of that stuff is probably going to involve Nick Dembski, as we've seen him have a little bit of a breakout season here and several games where he's been an integral part of the the offense, a, a nice balance, if you will, between he and Andrew Harris and then some of the deep threats they have. And also Maurice Leggett, uh, where's he going to fit into the lineup tonight, Bob, with uh, with uh, Mr. Fenner coming back into the lineup wow. for the Bombers on D? Yeah,
6: Greg, they're going to leave Mo Leggett at uh, the SAM linebacker spot. Now, uh, those who follow this closely know that Fenner has played that spot bef- before he got hurt three games ago, and Leggett had been moved back to a defensive halfback position, and with uh, Fenner out, Mo Leggett was then moved back to that linebacker spot that he played last year and the year before and played with uh, so much impact. He, you know, He's played so well the last few games that the Bomber coaches have decided to leave him there, and Chandler Fenner will be a designated import. Now, he'll be in there in some defensive packages but he will not be Fenner won't be at that linebacker spot that he had sort of taken over they're going to put Leggett back there because they feel that's the best position he plays
0: Finally Bob got to ask you about the heat how how much of an impact do you think that'll have
6: None at all. It was uh, just as hot when they played B.C. here three or four weeks ago. And I I asked a lot of the players about it, Brett, and they just just shrug it off. They say, you know, it's not a factor. Yeah, it's hot. Uh, We're used to playing in hot and cold and everything else. We're superbly conditioned. Don't bring up the weather anymore, Bob. Okay, I won't.
1: (laughs) All right, Bob, you've got enough speaking, talking, voice uh, exercises to do today. So we appreciate you sparing uh, eight or nine minutes for us this morning. And uh, we'll see you down at IGF tonight. Coverage gets underway, 5.30 kickoff, 7.30. Bob Irving, Doug Brown, and uh, a virtual cast of thousands. Thanks so much, Bob. I don't know how often you get out to the country other than to golf, but uh, with the crops in full bloom, uh, it's absolutely a beautiful time to explore rural Manitoba. And one of the crops that are most beautiful are sunflowers. And over the past week or so, been stories of, you know, people trampling over sunflower crops in order to get selfies. I'm not exactly sure why this has become suddenly a trend, but it
0: certainly has. And one of those stories came from a farmer here, In Manitoba. So what can we do to help the divide between urban and rural? Well, Shannon Van Rays, who writes for the Manitoba Cooperator, has an opinion piece in the Globe and Mail talking about just that. She joins us live now on 680 CJOB. Shannon, good morning to you.
5: Good morning. Thanks for having me. Although I should note, I no longer work for the Manitoba Cooperator. So uh, uh, I'm freelancing, but I'm definitely interested in sunflowers, and uh, there's lots to say about them.
1: Well, Shannon, maybe you can help us understand, if you can, this phenomenon, this idea of, uh, of a selfie with sunflowers. Is this something brand new? Because I don't think I'd heard any uh, quote-unquote controversy about this practice <laughs> in the past.
5: You know, I don't think it's new. I was actually looking at a family photo album, and uh, back in the early 80s, I saw a lot of family pictures at the edge of sunflower seeds, so or sunflower fields, rather. Uh, so I think that people wanting photos in these sort of locations at this time of year has gone on for a very, very long time. It's just that uh, with the incident in Ontario where a farm had to uh, to shut down after inviting people and being overwhelmed has really brought it to the forefront. So I think people are talking about it more, but I'm not sure it's actually happening more.
0: So the the headline here, I really like this, seeing the field for the sunflowers. <laughs> Farmers need to understand urbanites too. That's an interesting take because we always hear it from the reverse that, you know, the people sort of saying, we have accusing us of having perimeteritis and what have you.
5: Absolutely. And it's not the most popular take I have learned uh, in the last few days, <laughs> but. Um, you know, it's, it's important. I think that understanding really does go two ways between people who live in the country and people who live in cities. And, you know, if you go to a farm conference, often social license is the number one topic, more so than, you know, anything to do with agronomy or animal husbandry. It's it's about having the social license to operate. But um, more than that, I think if, if farmers really want to maintain social license, they've got to understand their consumers and most consumers live in cities and uh, so you've got to get off the farm just as much as people in the city have to get out of the city and experience farming.
1: Well I know uh, in elementary school. We visited a farm probably every year up until grade five. It was something I always enjoyed doing and at that point of view. And then when I was in grade four, we moved to Brandon and I was kind of the city slicker, right? And I love Winnipeg Blue Bombers and in Brandon, it's kind of split between Saskatchewan Rough Rider and Blue Bomber fans. And so there is that disconnect even in Manitoba's second largest city to what's going on in Winnipeg. I don't know if it's changed all that much in the last 40 years. I'd like to think that it has but there is a genuine divide right Shannon?
5: There is, absolutely. And I I've traveled all over Manitoba and all over the prairies and Ontario you know, visiting farms, and there there is a reluctance in in some you know on some farms and some farm communities. And by no means uh, is it all farmers that don't want to visit the city. Many love the city. Many come to the city, go to school, uh, before returning to work on the farm. But there is a reluctance, and I think some of that, if we're honest with ourselves, boils down to a lot more than just agriculture. There is, you know, social cultural differences between country and city, and we probably don't discuss. Them enough, and it pushes us apart. Um, we all want the same things out of life, but there are different viewpoints, and I'm not sure how often we meet to discuss them.
0: Well, when it comes to stomping through a field that's private property, what is there for a farmer to understand about urban behavior? Because that it just sounds kind of disrespectful to me.
5: Well, it is disrespectful to enter someone's property without permission. And uh, you obviously should not enter a farmer's field without permission. But, um, you know, from my perspective, uh, if you're standing on the road and you're using that film or that field as a backdrop, you know, that's that's a respectful way to, to enjoy that crop and not be running through it. And I think, you know, having had a look at the selfies that are pop- popping up on Instagram and on Twitter, Most people, it looks like, are using the edge of the road as a guideline, and that's great to see. Um, Going back to the situation in Ontario, it's a little different because the farmer invited people and then charged them. So once you invite people onto your farm and into your crop, I don't know how you maintain control of that. That's a whole other situation. Um, And if I was a producer in Manitoba and I was concerned, um, so many producers have social media. Put the word out. Say, you know, you know, respect this. We're concerned about you know disease or pests, so please don't cross this line. And put up some good old fashioned signs. Um, if you're really concerned and you're you're within the city, uh, you know, close to the city where you might get more people, you know, try and try and start that dialogue somehow.
1: Well, I can remember Sesame Street had the city mouse and the country mouse, and they <laughs> had to get together to understand one another. Maybe we're we're still trying to build those bridges, uh, Shannon. Always appreciate getting time with you and just this whole idea of understanding one another. Uh, we, we think of this always as a racially uh, division or, or racial and cultural divisions, but uh, this is a, a cultural question to a great extent. All I do know for sure Farmers are some of the most resourceful, entre- entrepreneurial, and uh, resilient people on the planet, and I have nothing but respect for them, and uh, I just hope that we can uh, break down the walls a little bit here.
5: Absolutely. I, uh, it's a big country, and there's a lot of space to cover, but I, I think people are up for the task.
0: All right, Shannon Van Reys, who has an opinion piece in the Globe and Mail. Once again, the headline is, Seeing the Field for the Sunflowers Farmers Need to Understand Urbanites Too. Shannon, thank you very much for the time
5: thank
1: you Canada has some interesting town names yeah yeah Balzac Alberta familiar <laughs> with it <laughs> seriously yes. <laughs> And Newfoundland is covered in unusual, if not uh, pornographic, borderline pornographic names. Okay. Including Dildo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are two folks (laughs) riding their bicycles from Balzac to Dildo. (laughs)
0: Yes!
1: (laughs) As part of a cancer fundraiser. (laughs) <laughs> one of our listeners, one of our loyal listeners, Rita, reached out to us and said, Hey, Joel and Terry Moore are riding their bicycles across Canada in support of prostate cancer research from Balzac to Dildo. <laughs> I'm like a child. <laughs> and they're going to be in Winnipeg tonight. They're staying with me. Any way we could get them to the Blue Bomber game tonight? Well, I sent out a couple of emails and... And wouldn't you know, we happen to be able to find not one, not two, but four tickets for Terry and for Joel Moore and for Rita
0: and whoever Rita would like to bring to the game tonight. That is awesome. Good for you, first of all, for doing this uh, fundraising initiative uh, with a sense of humor as well.
1: Absolutely. Gotta love it, man.